Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Uh, so we continue where we left off with on Sunday morning, we, we studied verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. And so tonight we're going to be just a couple more verses, but we will be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 uh, through 13, where it says this, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to pierce between bone and marrow. We thank you that it is useful for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And we pray that by your word tonight, you would move in our hearts, that you would change us, that you would mold us into your image. Convict us of sin and draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So we begin here uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 11, as it says, therefore. Now, my dad was the pastor of our church for 27 years. I sat under a lot of his teaching. And you have probably heard it said before that when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should ask yourself the question, what is it there for? That's something my dad has told me for a long time. Ask yourself, what is it there for? So it makes us rewind for a moment. And so as we rewind for a moment, we are reminded of the truths of verse 10. We are his workmanship, as it says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We remember that We are his workmanship. And now Paul is going to continue in that same thought pattern. As we remember who we are in Christ, as we remember our identity, first of all, his poema, his beautiful work of art. If we can remember that, if we allow that to be our starting point, then this next point that Paul is going to make is going to make a lot more sense for us. Because we are talking about God's handiwork and not our handiwork, right? We talked about that on Sunday morning. Our handiwork gets us in trouble. God's handiwork is beautiful. His poema, his glorious work of art. So we establish that in verse 10, our identity, his poema, and we establish also his purpose for our lives to walk in good works, that we would know our purpose, So when we see, therefore, we review and we remind ourselves that we are his workmanship. We know our identity in Christ and we know our purpose to glorify God through the good works that he has laid out for us. And it says here, 
Remember. So therefore, because of, because of the confidence that we can have in our identity in Christ and our purpose that he has set before us, now we continue in purpose. So therefore, remember, because of these former things, because of the work that he has done, we need to remember that we were once Gentiles. Those who were once Gentiles in the flesh, that you, were, you who were called circumcision in the flesh, uh, by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Those who were once Gentiles called uncircumcision by those who are called, and, and here you can almost put quotes around the title, the circumcision. That was a title given that the Jews really claimed for themselves. And this is speaking, of course, of a major separation between people groups, the main two people groups of the day, Jews and Gentiles. Not so unfamiliar to the year 2022, where we have all these separations of people groups. And here is the, the biggest separation of that day between Jew and Gentile. The uncircumcision, the label put on the Gentiles, and the circumcision, the label that is put on the Jews. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They thought that the Gentiles were fuel for the fire of hell. They would wake up each day and pray and thank God. They would say, thank God I'm not a Gentile. They would go through their morning prayer, and maybe you have your morning prayers you go through. Maybe you have your little devotion book you go through. But they would finish their time of prayer and say, thank God I'm not a Gentile. This is just to give us a perspective of the hatred between these people groups. And we think that there's new things going on today. We think there's all sorts of new stuff going on with the separations between people and the ideologies that are being thrown all over the place about race. But here's the reality. We're going to get into it today. God's masterpiece, God's workmanship is bringing us near. And not about bringing us near to each other even. That's kind of an automatic. He fulfilled that in the cross. And we're going to study more on that on Sunday. But he brought us near to himself. That our focus might be Christ alone. But so here's Paul is identifying the two people groups, the major separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews previously thought that really in, they were the standard of religion, of morality, and the standard of the church, so to speak. However, now... The church of Ephesus, this letter written to the church of Ephesus, and even fast forward to today, this letter written to us, this is primarily made up of Gentiles, isn't it? As we look around. And so these words were written to a church full of many Gentiles. And Paul writes these words to encourage and to strengthen the church. 
That's who he is addressing. And while he's addressing them, he's addressing a major rift between people groups. And the reality is that it is an amazing thought that Gentiles, even the Gentiles, could be part of the church alongside of the Jews. Only God's workmanship could do that. Not ours. That's truly a glorious work of art to bring these people groups that completely hate each other and give them the same focus, which is Jesus. The church is God's masterpiece. Fellowship with God is his workmanship. It's interesting, you know, there's the unity of people is such a miraculous thing. It's a glorious work of art, isn't it? That poema, as we're continuing with that idea, the poema, God's workmanship, we think about the unity of people, all right? I've been married 15 years, and I can be honest enough to tell you that my wife and I do not always agree on everything. I've learned a lot by now to say whatever you want, honey. But the reality is that we don't agree. And whenever I start premarital counseling with a couple, and maybe you're, you're dating, you're thinking about marriage, or you're engaged and you're preparing for marriage, or maybe you're newlyweds or whatever, or maybe you've been married 50 years, you get what I'm talking about. But I always say this, that marriage is one of those things, it's a completely miraculous work of God. Two totally different, totally independent, totally sinful people somehow can come together and God says you are to be one. I don't know how that's going to happen apart from Christ. But we keep our eyes fixed on him. That's how we see things happen. Only by the glorious workmanship of God could we come together and become one. That's great power and that's great workmanship that is demonstrated. So the reality is, guys, as we established in the beginning of chapter 2, as we read through verses 1 to 7 on Sunday, we're reminded that there is a major problem. And the major problem is not that people can't get along. The major problem is sin. There's a sin problem in the world in the day that we're reading about here in Ephesians, and there's a major sin problem in the world today. And that's why there's problems between people. I've got four kids. There are problems between people, I can tell you. They live in the same house. And sometimes I'm like, what is going on? Oh, I understand. It's sin. And I didn't have to teach them how to sin. They figured it out all for themselves. One of the first words that the kids learn, mine. That's, I mean, and we walk around like a bunch of toddlers sometimes, don't we? And we were like, why can't people just get along? Mine. Give me that. That's how we live our lives. Yet, 
The problem is sin. But further, there is, as Paul is identifying for us here, in this separation between Jews and Gentiles, there is a social and economic problem against the Gentiles. Again, similar to the things that we've seen for many generations in the world and the things that we're still seeing today. But the Gentiles, to give us perspective, they were separated from God by sin. Now we can all relate to that. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have a sin nature. But further, they were separated from God by their social and religious practices. The Gentiles, in reality, were a very desperate people group. There were many obstacles between the Gentiles and becoming part of the church. There were many obstacles between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is all a recognition of what God has done in tearing down the walls. But further... They recognize who they were. They were, recognized, they were called to recognize the truth about themselves. You who were once Gentiles. You who were once the uncircumcision. There's a call to recognize who you were in the flesh. There's a call to recognize your sin nature. There's a call to recognize the old ways that need to be put off. So can we do that? Can we remember in the flesh who we were? Completely separated from God, like the Gentiles. It's important that we realize the truth about ourselves. It was important for the Gentiles to realize the truth for themselves. So that we can fully understand and appreciate God's work and God's power. His workmanship. So many people, unfortunately, see no benefit to salvation. So many people see no benefit to Christianity. It's a sad thought. But that's the reality of much of the world as you walk around. People don't see the benefit because they think that they're doing well in life. They think that they're successful. And that's really what matters to most people not recognizing the truth about themselves, that there is a sin problem, there is a separation problem. Separation from God. And separation from God is going to just cause more and more division in the world. They don't see the benefit to salvation because they don't realize the truth about themselves. They don't they don't realize the sin problem. They don't realize the separation from God. They're facing down the wrath of God while misunderstanding the wrath of God. That's a scary place to be. Apart from Christ, there will be constant misunderstanding of the wrath of God. Many people in the world will look at a story like the flood in Genesis and say, wow, God just poured out his wrath. 
All God is about is judgment. No, in fact, God made a way for redemption through the ark. And it is a beautiful picture of God's grace. But apart from relationship with Jesus Christ, it's hard to see that. In fact, it's impossible to see that because the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Recently, I read an article about the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Maybe you've heard of it. They built this replica of the Ark out in Kentucky, and you could go visit it and walk around and see it and all this. But, but I read this article, and the article is written by a secular scientist, and it claims that the Ark Encounter is a shrine to God's wrath. And I thought to myself, it's so sad that that's what someone sees in the ark. And the whole thing is a story of God's grace and love. The whole thing is, is pointing us to redemption and pointing us to the grace of God. But that demonstrates how easily the world can misunderstand the wrath of God. And then if you misunderstand the wrath of God, then you will misunderstand the grace of God. We will never truly realize God's greatness and power unless we realize the greatness of the obstacles that God has overcome. And so we recognize the greatness of the obstacle between the Gentile and the Jew. The greatness of the obstacles between people, but more importantly, there was separation between God and man, specifically between the Gentiles Now, speaking of this circumcision, like I said, this is a label that was given, a title that was given. The Jews really are the ones who gave themselves this label and gave the the Gentiles the label of the uncircumcision. But circumcision is the mark of the Jew according to the actual physical flesh. The Jews had a problem thinking that the only thing that really mattered was a sign of of the flesh. And here Paul is saying the sign of the flesh is not what matters, but the sign of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the workmanship of God. According to the mark of the flesh, the Jews were labeled and the Gentiles were labeled. But Paul is constantly driving this point home that there is to be no confidence in the flesh or the things of the flesh. Now, continuing then verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. No doubt It is God's workmanship that he brings Gentiles into fellowship with Jews. And some more clarity on the depth of what God has done. It says here, without Christ, right? You you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant. Without Christ, first of all, this is the biggest problem, being without Christ. And it leads to bigger problems, 
So many people in the world I've talked to so, for so many years and they're just pouring out their hearts and maybe you're in a place you're like, I just, everything's miserable in my life. Well, how's your fellowship with Jesus? It's not good, but everything's miserable in my life. Okay, let's back up a little bit. Our fellowship with Jesus is everything. And remember that this tonight, part two of God's masterpiece, fellowship is his workmanship. And we have a responsibility to be in fellowship with him. So without Christ, without fellowship with Christ, there's a big problem and it keeps leading to bigger problems. Paul is identifying this as a time before Christ came and fulfilled the work of salvation. A picture of life before relationship with Christ, but also there was life before Christ in the world, right? And so speaking of the Gentiles, before Christ came, before Christ died on the cross and poured out his blood, as we'll talk about in verse 13, they were aliens. What does that tell us? They had no community. Having no right, speaking of, thinking of the promises of God, they had no right to the land of promise like the Jews had. It says further that they were strangers, saying that they had no covenant They knew nothing of God's promises to the Jews. Their heritage, their bloodline was outside of the covenant that God God made with Abraham. That's a rough place to be. They were born into a, a, a world without community and without covenant. Further, it says, having no hope. It just keeps getting worse. You know those infomercials? But wait, there's more. I say that a lot in our church. But wait, there's more. Sometimes we're talking about it gets better with Jesus. And then other times we're talking about, no, it gets worse. And here we are. It gets worse. Gentiles without Christ, before Christ, had no community, had no covenant, and had no hope. It's difficult. That's a tough place to be. No hope and without God in the world. This is completely hopeless. And guys, we need hope today, don't we? And we need to see hope infused into the world today, don't we? The word hope is it, it's defined as an expectation of coming good. It's not just a magical idea of hope. You know, I hope that the weather is, cools down outside because it's been really hot, right? And we're like, yeah, I don't know what that means because tomorrow I'll probably wake up and it's going to be really hot again. And we can have all of these hopes. But they're empty, aren't they? It's actually not real hope at all. An expectation of coming good is based only on one thing. It is a heavenly word. It is a spiritual word. And it's talking about Jesus. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about eternity. That's the only thing that we have hope in. Having no hope, though, that's where the Gentiles were. According to the covenant, they had none. According to community, they had none. 
according to hope they had not. They were hopeless, apart from Christ, apart from fellowship with Christ, separated from God, separated from the people of God with no community, no covenant. That all leads to no hope. It gets worse and worse because there is no hope without God. There is no hope without relationship with Jesus Christ, without fellowship with Jesus Christ, no matter what people group you are. No matter what political person you support, there is no hope without Christ. America is not the hope for the world, as some might think. Peace between nations is not the hope of the world. Strength in economy is hopeless. And here's some of the things that the world would identify to put hope in, to have hope in. I didn't make up the list. I found these things. These are things that people claim to have hope in. A better tomorrow. Eradicated disease. Saving the planet. Technological advancement. A world without war. Space travel and survival and sustainability. One world economy. Acts of kindness. And again, I didn't make the list. I did the research. Elon Musk. These are things that people claim to put hope in. Every single one of those things is clearly what so many people are putting their resource and effort into. Because that's what they think there's hope in. But it's all empty. It's all empty, guys. It's all destined for failure. There is absolutely no hope in any of these things. Sure, would it be nice if the economy was booming? Sure, would it be nice if there was peace among the nations? There's no hope in that, though. There's no, there's no future and hope that God promises in that because there's no hope in this world. And it's not getting better. Even though people claim it is or people are trying to make it better, to, to bring a better tomorrow on human terms, the problem is, guys, the standard of morality is getting worse and worse. But further, there's no hope without God in the world. Who is the manifestation of God in the world? Call it out. Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. There is no hope if God did not send his son. And Jesus, Emmanuel, actually came into the world. Lived a perfect life died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. There's no hope without that. Without experiencing God for yourself, relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of this world, there is no hope. Without fellowship with God, there is no hope. And there is a way for fellowship with God. Verse 13. 
but now. Man, verse 12 is pretty depressing. Let's admit it, right? The Gentiles had the deck stacked against them. And we, we can relate in the world and we're, we're to apply the scripture to our life. And so we take that and we think, man, there was no covenant. There's no promise. There's no community. There's no hope. This sounds really bad. Verse 13, but now. See, that was all past tense. Before Christ, without Christ, without God in the world, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the result for the Gentiles. That's the result. But now in Christ Jesus. What words of hope. What great promise we have. But now. This means there is hope. And it is in Christ Jesus. You see, everything changes in Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He actually rose from the dead. So yes, there actually is hope. with all the chaos, with all the misery, with all the hopelessness, with all the separation and social and economic issues, there is hope in Christ and in Christ alone. You see, Paul, he's given a sermon here in these few verses. And the point to bring home is this, summed up in this verse The Gentiles, who are now part of the body of Christ by the amazing workmanship of God, were once far off, as it says, separated in every way. Now, what does it say? Have been brought near in fellowship with God. They have been brought near to God, to the things of God, to fellowship with God, into community. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. The sacrificial death of Christ. That's the only way to bring us near to God and to one another is the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And guys, listen, that's the new covenant. That's the covenant that matters. We saw in verse 12 that they had no covenant. They were lost without covenant, without promise, without any, any promise of land. But yet, here's a new covenant. Yet there is a promise of the promised land of eternity. And also there's community. Right here, look around you. There's community of the body of Christ. This is through the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood covenant that took place between God and Abraham was a picture, a forerunner of what was to come. And Paul's explaining that. 
He's saying now it's the blood of Christ that matters. This is the new covenant. And they are part of that blood covenant. The Gentiles, even the Gentiles, every single one of us, no matter what, through relationship with Jesus Christ, are part of the blood covenant. We're part of his people. You see, Jesus, by his blood, overcomes sin and our social issues. It says that they were brought near is to say that they were welcomed in. That's the translation. They were welcomed in. They were brought near to welcome in, to, to roll out the red carpet, so to speak. That's how the Gentiles, even the Gentiles, were welcomed in by, remember, Jesus was a Jew, right? He's the one who did the work. He poured out his blood and welcomed in even the Gentiles drawn in, brought near by his great love. His blood is the only way to be drawn near. So we, we need to recognize the problem. Not try to point the finger. Not try to identify all other problems that all the other people have and all the problems there are in the world that make me the way that I am today, that I'm just a product of the environment that I'm in. Because if anybody had that excuse, it was the Gentiles. But in fact, we need to recognize the problem. Sin. Separation. And we need to come to a place of desperation for reconciliation. That in Christ, knowing this, that in Christ, we have hope. We have nearness. We have fellowship with God. Only by his blood through his sacrifice. So listen. No matter how far you may feel. No matter how far you've been. And right now you might think, I showed up tonight and I'm all sorts of messed up. I showed up tonight and the deck is just stacked against me. And it's everybody else's fault. Stop right there. The problem is sin. We are to confess our sins and get right with Jesus. So no matter how far you've been, no matter how far you feel in this moment, no matter how much you're hurting, no matter how much you may feel hopeless tonight, Confess your sins. Recognize the real problem. And remember his power to overcome. That he might reconcile you to himself. Bring you near to himself. Welcome you in. Get right with Jesus. Today is the day. You don't have to walk around without hope. You don't have to go through all the sorrow and difficulty of life without hope. In Christ, there's great hope. That hope is that we're going to heaven. Let's pray.
Lord, we do thank you so much for the hope and the promises that you give us in your word, for the promises that you have fulfilled. And we fix our eyes on you. And we pray that tonight, Lord, we pray that tonight you would just move in hearts, tear down walls. Bring repentance, God. We love you. We thank you that you first loved us and gave your son for us. Jesus, we need you. We are desperate for you. Help us to remember that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from Christ, We were, we are lost. I want to give you an opportunity tonight if you've never invited Jesus into your life to be your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity here and now that you might enter into that relationship with Him coming to a place of hope. So if that's you, if you've never uh, welcomed Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to do that tonight, would you raise your hand? And maybe we're sitting in a room of just church body and we could be strengthened by the word of God tonight but if you if you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus I want to give you this opportunity I don't want you to miss out if you need to do that today would you put up your hand if you put up your hand I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that's confessing Jesus Christ as your savior as your lord as your king proclaiming your belief in him claiming him to be the son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead. So if you need to do that tonight, you need to put up your hand. Would you do that? the Lord knows every heart, every person in this room. And so I charge you, church, tonight go deeper. Be blessed, be encouraged by the work that Christ has done. And that through your relationship with him, you have hope. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what suffering you're facing, there is hope in Christ alone. So draw near to him. He desires more of you. 
encourage you tonight, the rest of this week, draw near to God in fellowship. It's a great privilege. He poured out his blood so that we could have fellowship with him, so that we could be part of the blood covenant, so that we could have a promise of eternal life, and so that we could have community and fellowship with one another. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.